0: And, and uh, I don't know who picks the songs, but I've, I felt like your songs and worship really honored God, which is actually the main point of what we're doing when we're together, but it's good. Um, so last week was Pentecost, right? So I have my calendar right? I, I thought I would, I, and I preached at our church at home. I only do it a couple times in a year anymore. But I talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and I thought I would stay with the theme uh, this Sunday only talk a about the gifts of the Spirit and I, because I believe um, that the gifts of the Spirit have been given to us to use actually to reach others and to bless others. So that's, how I, that's what I want to talk about, and uh, particularly the prophetic gifts. I'm going to call this message Repeating God because that's essentially what we do is repeating God. You know that all four Gospels, you know, I forgot to ask you, Paul, what, what, what's the time frame usually when you finish? Yeah, I know, but Three hours, four hours. <laughs> I got put him on the spot here, right? I'm a long-winded. He's long-winded, so I can be long-winded. Um, somebody that's honest, his <laughs> usually finish What's that? No time, limit. no time limit. Wow. That's dangerous to tell a preacher that. All right, well, I know what I usually preach, and I'll just stick to that. How's that? You know, all four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they introduced Jesus as the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if that's ever noted or talked about much. If you'd ask the average American, why did Jesus come? I know they would say he came to die for our sins, which is true. But God somehow wanted to be sure that we understood that one of the purposes or his work to be here is that he came to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And I I believe that that happens. I mean, it happened at Pentecost, but the Holy Spirit has has been here since, and he continues to fill and to move. And I think he can give us multiple fillings and experiences. Uh, We need the Holy Spirit every day, don't we? So it's good we celebrate it every day, I mean, every year. I was in Belgium one time. It's a national holiday there. I'm not sure that they knew what they were celebrating, to be honest, most of the nation, but they, they still have it on the books. But Jesus came to deal with our sins so that we can have a relationship with God, much like what Adam and Eve had, where there's dialogue and communication and a two-way thing. So dying for our sins is just the beginning. It's the doorway. Another thing I'll point out is that every time Jesus sent anybody out, when he commissioned them to go, like he commissioned the 12, and then he commissioned uh, 70, two by two, Every time he, in every gospel, he said the same thing. So this is significant. Also, he sent them out to announce the kingdom, pray for the sick, and to cast out demons. Uh, the, the cast out demons is not in everyone, but the, the, uh, announcing the kingdom and, and praying for the sick is. So to me, that tells me that I believe that the, the gifts of the Spirit and the way we do evangelism should be impacted by the gifts of the Spirit. And I, I like to liken spiritual gifts to power tools. I used to make furniture, or of I grew up on a farm, and you can, you can do most jobs with hand tools, but if you can have power tools, it's a lot better. And I think that's what uh, the gifts of the Spirit are. They are tools that we can use to impact other people's lives around us. Sometimes the church treats spiritual gifts like church toys, where we get them out and we use them in the meetings, and I know I'm being facetious here, but then, then we sort of put them away till next Sunday or till a Wednesday night meeting or something like that. Obviously, we should use them in the church. And the prophetic gift in particular, Paul says, is very important in encouraging people. But you remember Jesus, the way he did evangelism was that he used the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the woman at the well. He, he used, I would say, word of knowledge or the prophetic gift to listen to the Father and to repeat, and he opened her heart by telling her things that he could only know that God showed him. And that, but he did it in a way that didn't shame her, but drew her and made her curious to come to him. So that's how I believe we should do it, and I, th- I think they are as useful in the public as they are in church, the gifts of the Spirit. But I, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for just being naturally supernatural. Like, I don't think we have to change our voice. We certainly don't need a microphone. We don't have to change our voice. We don't have to act weird or anything like that. Because uh, people that are unbelievers around us, they don't understand uh, sometimes our church culture, so we have to be very careful. But I believe I've, I've prophesied or said things to people that I didn't say, thus saith the Lord. I didn't change my voice. I didn't do anything other than I just said something, but I could tell the words still had the, the impact or the power that they would, uh, you know, they're intended for. Um, so 1 Corinthians 12 there's a whole section there on spiritual gifts, and I'm, I'm just going to read several verses to, today, one at a time. I'm not going to go through a whole passage. But 1 first, first Corinthians 12 says a lot. But it starts out saying now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. So God wants us to understand them. And so what I'm going I'm to be pretty practical today um, about the gift of prophecy. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, it tells us to follow the way of love and eager to desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So this gift, out of all the nine, there's nine of them, this gift is probably the most beneficial, whether it's in the church or in the marketplace. But he says, follow the way of love. I had an old Latter-day Reign prophet. Um, He told me one time never to prophesy over anybody that I wasn't in love for at that time. And it makes sense, because otherwise we can come across accusing or condemning or critical, we have to be careful that we don't put our our own opinions or um, what's inside us into a prophetic word. We we want them to hear what God has to say. So he says, follow the way of love. And that's been a general rule for me to make sure that I'm in love at the time when I speak to somebody. But we also point out there that we are to desire earnestly prophecy earnestly spiritual gifts. So that's a, it's in the imperative, it's a command. So as a Christian, this is not sort of an optional thing for missionaries and pastors, but for everybody. And I, I believe all of you can prophesy, and there's a good chance a lot of you have already. But the Bible does, Paul says, you can all prophesy one by one. So I don't see the prophetic as a special class of person who hears God and tells the rest of us what to do because they heard the Almighty. Uh, I know that God speaks through people, and he's spoken to me many times through uh, a lot of different people. But we can all prophesy one by one so that everyone can be instructed and encouraged. The context of that is in a local church. But when Jesus used it, like with a woman at the well, he was out outside. And she wasn't a Christian. She wasn't even a Jew. or of Judaism, and he used the spiritual gift to, to draw her. <clears throat> so I, I believe that Jesus was a man with perfect hearing. In fact, if you look at some of the, I won't go there, but some of the messianic prophecies, it talks about one who, him having a, a ability to hear in the tongue of a disciple, and I believe that that's how Jesus operated. I think he did all his miracles as a man which is remarkable. But I believe, that, that, you know, Philippians tells us that he laid his prerogatives as God aside. He was 100% God, 100% man, but he did his work on the earth as a man, and what that does is it gives me hope that I can learn to use the gifts of the Spirit yes. because he was a man. Maybe not as good as him, uh, but, but I can. And. Um, <clears throat> I believe that he did what the Bible even says that he did whatever he heard whatever he saw the father doing or heard the father saying and it's obvious that he when he when he did things like when he walked in the pool and healed one person and left I believe he had a sense that God wanted to do something with that one person that day so I believe he was constantly listening constantly in tune my problem Maybe you're the same. My problem is I get distracted. So I'm not always listening, but I do believe that if we can develop that as a lifestyle, it'll help us. Um, So people say, first of all, I believe everybody can hear God. The Bible says, you know, my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. So I believe we can all hear God, but sometimes we don't have the confidence that it's God. So people will say, well, what does the voice of God sound like? I've told people God sounds a lot like you, only much better and much smarter. And the reason I say that is because he wants you to understand it. So, if you speak Spanish, he's probably going to talk to you in Spanish. If you think in pictures, he's probably going to talk to you in pictures. You know why? Because he wants his desires to communicate to you. He's not trying to be mysterious. He's not trying to be difficult to get. He wants us to get what he's saying. And so, that's why I say it's going to sound a lot like you, Many times when God speaks to us, he actually uses our head and he puts thoughts there. So we have faith in the devil putting thoughts there, and we know when it's his thought to tell it where to go, but we, we all, God also can put thoughts in our head. We just have to learn to know the difference between God's thoughts and our thoughts and, of course, the devil's thoughts. Um, but he, I, I don't think the Bible's a mysterious book. I think it's... Um, There's there's parts that are harder to understand, and we have to connect the dots sometimes. But generally, it's not a mysterious book full of hidden things that only special people can get. He gave it to mankind so we understand him and what he's saying. Um, What I believe God is doing in these days, and I think what he wanted to do uh, since he sent Jesus, is to restore to us the kind of relationship that Adam and Eve had. You remember before the fall anyway, they would walk and talk with him in the garden and there was a friendship, a relationship. They were not afraid of him. They were not ashamed. And he would talk to them and he was still God, but it was was a more comfortable relationship. And I think that's what God wants to give us. It's interesting to note that when the devil came to the garden, you know what the first thing out of his mouth was? He said, did God say... He got them to question what God said, if he said it. I think eventually he got all of mankind to question whether God even speaks today anymore uh, or whether the Bible is the inspired word of God. Those are, he, that's the ground, the, 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 the foundational ground that the enemy wages his war on. And that's because he knows that, first of all, the word of everything that exists exists be- because of the Word of God. He created it with his words. And his word still, susti- still sustains everything in the earth. It is his word that, that fuels us, that comforts us, that corrects us. I mean, you could just go on and on about all the things that come out of the Word of God. And so, the devil knows this. And so, what he wants to do is he wants to get us to question the word. And particularly when God's speaking to us subjectively, which I believe he still does in our hearts, he wants us to question, well, is that really God? That's what he did in the garden. Did God really say this? Are you sure you can trust his motives if he did say it? Why did he say it? All those things. And um, so he comes against that. And I believe that the devil knows that if every Christian can learn to hear God and obey, or better yet to repeat him, that that would be very dangerous. Cheryl and I have, our cho- we have two children. Uh, my son is 40 years old, he's married, has two children and our daughter is single. She lives in Boston, she's 39, 38, 38. <clears throat> but we have two grandchildren that are soon to be six and four, right? My grandson was with me one day and I, it, it, this opened my eyes because I said, I forget what he was doing, I said, no Judah, don't do that. That could cause a big problem. So, uh, he, you know, he complied, but then the rest of the day he found his new vocabulary word was big problem. <laughs> so he's on talking about big problem on and on and I realized, and it was, I'm, I'm glad it was that rather than something else, but I have to be careful what I say because he repeats what I say. So I also realized the power of saying things that will impact him positively that he'll repeat good things, right? But so he repeats me that's really what god wants us to do with him now i don't of course you can memorize scripture um, but you can repeat god even in little things um, you know without without having to memorize and spout off scripture to people there's a i think we have a natural tendency to be a little afraid of what god will say or do and so we tend to just sort of back away But in Exodus 20, they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us lest we die. So now there was, I understand there was thunder and fire and smoke and all that stuff there in the mountains. But the human tendency is, listen, we'd rather have someone else hear God for us. Just tell us what he's saying, um, rather than us actually having to learn to hear and then But I think it'll pay us to learn to hear if we can repeat what he says, because I think he'll give us things that we can say to others that will be helpful to them. Um, In the Old Testament, it seems to me that God presented the ideal Christian as a prophet. Now, you have to sort of define what a prophet is before you agree with that, because I'm not saying the ideal Christian is somebody that lives in camel hairs and eats locusts. You know, lives in a desert or something like that. uh, What we consider weird, but essentially, what 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 is a prophet? Well, a prophet is somebody that hears God, and repeats Him. He says the message, maybe to the king, but more than likely, in our case, it's just going to be to other people around us. Something that God put on our heart, and um, so prophets are people who listen, and then they're people who repeat. And even in the Old Testament when they had, you know, just like a few prophets and uh, they would prophesy to the kings, but of course there were thousands of them that are, didn't get it into the canon of scripture. So there was a lot more prophecy going on than what you'd think when you read the narratives of the Bible. But even Moses, remember there was a couple young men who were around the camp prophesying and people were like trying to get them to stop. And they told moses you know did you know that these guys are prophesying and he said i would to god that all everybody would prophesy so even then moses knew the heart of god is that all his people should be able to speak for him and again what i'm talking about is not a big epistle or a message or a sermon we don't want to be preaching to people but we can say things that are encouraging you know i think particularly in this time the people with the most hope or the people that give the most hope will get the most influence around us in our family in our workplace so we want to be we want to be able to say things um, from God that, that give hope I believe that prophecy is actually very central to the new covenant and I will get to my stories in a minute but we, we tend to make the new covenant again we make it out of forgiveness we make it about getting forgiven and getting to heaven all true but there's more than just that and uh, he i think he wants to give us his words i think central to the great commission is our ability to represent god to other people around us and so that's where hearing him and repeating comes in Uh, remember he says in jeremiah 31 i'll put my law within them so he's gonna go deeper. He says, you know, I give, I give the book, that's the, the written inspired word, that's authoritative, but I will also take my words and put it deeper inside you. And there's another passage. Um, so so God, uh, God wants to put his law inside and, you know, people, the, the Trinity is not Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. As much as I love scripture, given my life to studying it, and I have honored as the final authority for all faith and practice, for believers and in the church it needs to be that way and yet the trinity's father son and holy spirit and the holy spirit is the one who gives us this relationship with with god where we listen but isaiah fifty nine, twenty one, god says and as for me this is my covenant with them says the lord my spirit that is upon you and my words that i uh, have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring says the lord from this time forth and forevermore it sounds like the prophetic gift is not going to stop like some have said if you read that but it shows that prophecy is still with us it's it's central i believe to the new covenant uh and actually i think this is what peter preached on the day of pentecost if you look at this passage and you compare the text of acts 2 he's actually echoing this whole thing of of God putting words in our mouth, you know, your sons and daughters, you're going to prophesy like Joel too said, and it's going to go on. This promise is for you and your children and your children's children and on. So I tell people God wants your mouth. He not only wants your, you know, your, your life and your money or whatever else we say he wants, but I think one of the most important things God wants is our mouth to use as a mouthpiece to speak to others. And so I call prophecy inspired speech where God inspires us and we say uh, things for him or things that he's inspired. I remember the first time it happened to me, I was in high school and I ended up ta- this guy was signed seat beside me in a study hall. And the, the guy had a, a drug problem. He was a good friend of mine, but he had some issues he was working through, very confused. He, start, he, he saw me he carrying a Bible around because I would read it sometimes when I got my work done. So he started asking me questions. I found myself saying things to him that I didn't plan on saying. I even start quoting scriptures to him that I had not memorized. Now, I, do, I was memorizing a lot of scripture at the time. But I realized that God could put words in my mouth. And it shocked me. In fact, I had to run to the Bible later and look them up to be sure that I quoted them right. I mean, I don't want to misrepresent it. But he can do that. And so, again, I believe we can all hear, I believe we can all speak or repeat. And uh, I know there's some risk in stepping out in this, but I think like everything else, um, we learn when we are willing to accept risk, we're willing to be wrong, willing to get it wrong, willing to feel awkward, and uh, as long as we're not, you know, speaking some kind of awful heresy, I think, you know, we we can learn by by doing that. and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be uh profound so i'll give you a couple stories sort of silly ones I, w- I was teaching on the prophetic this was in um dominican republic i think and i was teaching on the prophetic oh this was in haiti that's right and um this was a group of students and they were listening intently but then i said now i'd like to model what i'm talking about i spent two days talking about it so we actually Cheryl and I and another leader that was with us, we, we, st- we would said, we're going to prophesy over each of you. And I was not hearing anything for this one guy. He was sitting on a chair, and we were asking God for words and prophesying, and the others were going to town. I was, feel- I was the leader. I'm feeling a little bit, you know, I'm not getting anything here. But all I kept hearing was mountain climbing. I'm like, okay, I need a little bit more. you know so I start thinking okay he wants me to tell him to keep pressing forward keep climbing keep going for and then I realized no I wait Barry you're adding to the word the word is just simply mountain climbing so I just said I said I, I stopped the prayer time I said does mountain climbing mean anything to you and he spun around in his chair looked at me and said how did you know that and I said well I just was getting an impression about that word he said, okay, I'll be honest with you. He said, the whole time you're teaching on this, I didn't believe a word of it. And I told God, if this guy is telling me the truth, then tell him what my hobby is. So here, then he started telling me the Himalayan mountains. And I mean, I go to India regularly in Nepal, uh, and Nepal. And he's telling me the mountains that he's climbed around the world. This is his hobby. He loves it. And um, so he here, so there's a one-word thing, not, not fancy, but it convinced him of the reality of the prophetic and that God can speak to someone else in this way. So that's just something simple, one word. You know, if you have a, uh, well, here we got one. Paul has, a, has his Kleenexes right beside him here. So you know what happens if I do this? If I pull one out, oh, there's another one right beside it. That's sometimes how prophecy works. If you're willing to go with something short or one word that he gave you, then sometimes more comes. Oftentimes when I'm prophesying over people, uh, if I'm not sure how to start, I'll just begin to pray for them, and then sometimes I'll just get a word and I'll start praying in there, and then more will come. And that's a little bit how it works. You have to be sort of willing to go with the one word. Another funny story... um, yeah, this is another humiliating one. I've got a number on a list here. So I was, this one was in the DR. I was at a, at a missionary conference. There's like 300 staff, mission staff there. And they gave me and our team's appointments one at a time to prophesy over the missionaries and their families, all right? So we had 15 minutes to hear and speak. It's not very much time. But uh, again, I was with Cheryl and another of our elders and his wife. And they're all getting, you know, nice, good words for this family. This is a husband and wife and three kids, and they moved to Haiti. They've been there something like uh, eight or nine years already. <clears throat> I'm not hearing anything, except I heard the word fluffy, and I'm like, that, you know, that cannot be God. God is not going to talk about fluffy. This isn't very spiritual at all. And besides, I'm the leader. Can you give me something a little better to give? And I kept on, kept on, I, I, all I could hear was Fluffy and they were winding down, the time was out. And finally, I, just, I felt like God just said, Ask, just tell them Fluffy's okay, that's all they need to hear. So I just said, you know, I don't know if the word Fluffy means anything to you, but I felt like I should tell you that Fluffy's okay. Well, immediately, two of the girls started to cry. This family had two cats as pets. They were living, they flew from Miami. The one place they found, the one cat they found a home for was some friends. The other cat they couldn't place. So they dropped the cat off at some kind of a, a shelter or a, yeah, a shelter, I guess you could call it, on the way to the airport. So the girls never knew where the pet went, if it got a good home, how it was treated, and the girls would often say, I wonder if Fluffy's okay. So okay, so here's yours truly. <laughs> I'm sent from Pennsylvania to tell these two young girls That fluffy was okay. But, you know, God does care about things like that, right? He cares about everything. He's never too busy. He's never too occupied to care about us. But I I gave that, again, as an illustration that you don't have to give something amazing uh, that you think is amazing. Um, Just start with what you have. And uh, I have stories where my prophetic ministry didn't go as well as that, but we won't talk about that today. <laughs> now, actually, m- most of the time, um, you know, if we if we if we have our hearts open to him, he will use us to speak. Prophecy's not. This is what I, my conviction is. Prophecy generally is not predicting when Jesus is going to return. Uh, I don't. I don't. I think generally it's, it's rarely about world events. I know that can happen, but we can get in trouble too. Uh, if we start prophesying dates and prophets start getting involved in national elections and that kind of stuff there's risk involved i personally i think you have to be very careful we've seen what that can do um i don't don't know that it's all about the last days we know we've i think we've been in the last days since pentecost if you read acts 2. now there are the last of the last i get that but i think prophecy has been so much on foretelling what's going to happen or on, on pointing a finger at something or somebody to change something, that I think we missed the whole point. And the whole point in 1 Corinthians is that it's to encourage and console, um, exhort, those things are all listed there. So I, w- I wouldn't waste your time on prophesying whether the baby's a male or a female. Don't prophesy about, you know, who's supposed to marry who, and I know that you think like, well, horrors, but I've had people in my office that got married on a prophecy. And I said, shouldn't have done that. It's your decision. You make your, you know what? Everybody has a priesthood. Everybody can hear God. Everybody gets to make their own decisions, right? So I will listen to what other people say, but then it's my job to judge whether it's right or wrong or whether it's for me. And if someone insists that I act on something that they're prophesying, that first is a clue to me that this is just coming from a a wrong heart. It should be offered as, this is what I think. This is what I feel like I've heard. I have an impression, and you know, then the, the person you know, can pray about it and, and uh, decide. But for years, I would say I'm not prophetic. It's not my basic uh, gift. I'm a, more of a teacher. Until this, this uh, older prophet, he, he one day corrected me. and He said, you know, everybody can prophesy. I don't say you're not a prophet. I'm not, maybe not Ephesians 4 prophet, but I can, I'm still prophetic, and I think all of you are as well. I'm not sure we want a special class of people. Think about this. It's a pretty heady thing to, that we can hear God and, tell, and speak for, uh, to others. I'm not sure we want a special class in the church or that or the ones that hear God and then tell the rest of us what to do, all right? We have to be careful. I do believe God uses people to speak to others, and I think there are some that are prophets that are very... Um, experienced and solid and accurate that we can trust. I'm not trying to undermine it. It's just that if everybody can do it, you know, the best safeguard to the, some of the prophetic uh, problems that we've, problems we've had with the prophetic gift is if ever, each of us learn how to hear God for ourselves, because then when a prophecy is given, we can discern, is this really true? Is it a mixture? Is it for us to act on? Or maybe sometimes I just put them on the shelf and I say, well, we'll wait, we'll see. But I rarely, if ever, act on a prophecy alone. I think it's, it can be really dangerous. I've seen people do that. And you know, when you go talk to somebody and you say, God told me, that's like throwing the trump card on the table. I mean, it's over at that point. It's like, fine, we'll see whether you heard God or not. And then they'll, they'll come, they'll give me this weird stuff like, God changed his mind. Or God told me something else. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's talk about what God is like. So there are things that we have to learn for wisdom. But generally, it's a very encouraging gift for us to receive and also to learn um, to do. Some, I won't do this now for the sake of time, but sometimes I'll call three people up. Let's just pretend that, that these three are the Trinity. Okay, we'll make God, we'll make Paul the Father, and one of you have to be Son, and the other in Holy Spirit. But let's say they're the Trinity. But I, 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 would like to re, I would really like to give this brother something encouraging. And he's on my heart. I'm praying for him, et cetera. Maybe I work with him or something like that. So if I can eavesdrop on the conversation that God has, and, and we're, we never go digging for dirt. I don't want to know if he has a sin in his life. I mean, how many of us have sinned sometimes in our life? All right, I see a lot of hands, just for the record. I don't, I don't need to go digging for dirt. I want to dig for gold. And sometimes there's, you know, there's dirt there, but everybody has it. I, I don't want to focus on, God, no, does, does somebody have sin? Do I need to sort of uh, expose? That's not the role of a prophet today. I don't think so. But if I can hear the heart of God uh, and what they think of him, I can, I can speak words to him. What's your name? I don't even... Jeff. Jeff. All right. I remember you, but I still didn't know your name. But if I, I can speak to Jeff... Something that I, you know, like I can say, this is, this is what you're like. This is where God's called you or God's put this in you as a gift. And it's not my opinion, but it's something that I've heard by listening. Does that make sense? We don't want to give people our opinions, do we? I mean, you can if they ask for it. <laughs> Sometimes people give it without being asked, and then it's not always that loved. But... Um, even, you know, even in our conversations, church decisions, all these things, it's not our opinion that's important. It's what God's saying. So we have to learn to listen because sometimes God's opinion is different than mine. And I need to know that, it, you know, even after years in ministry, I'm still surprised that sometimes my opinion, my, you know, God's ways and his thoughts are so much higher than ours. All right. Uh, We always want to speak in love. We want to be encouragement. I'd stay away from judgment prophecies, particularly when you're starting. If you're an experienced prophet and God really lays something on you as a warning, that God does that. But I I think I'd be very careful. Uh, And like I said, I would never do anything to discourage someone or to shame them. We want to go after the gold. We would take our students, and I need to finish here. We would take our students uh, through we have some, uh, we call them activations on the prophetic. We have 15 of them that we use. Then Paul would come to our, our um, November conference, which was, usually was the third week. And then we'd offer prophetic ministry of the students over everybody. And pastors would say, how do you get them to prophesy so accurately and boldly in just a couple of weeks? And I said, well, they, they prophesied every day. And we had them prophesying for each other and hearing and listening for things even word of knowledge i think these gifts they come from god but they don't just fall and we are perfected in their use immediately like out of heaven it's something we have to use and we have to learn and so that's what we did with the students and then we'd have feedback and these are these are young people and it is possible um I did my doctorate on this and studied it. It is possible to learn how to prophesy very accurately if you put yourself to it and, and, and learn how to hear God. And you don't have to be a prophet, uh, Ephesians 4-level prophet to do it. Um, I want to close, close by just praying for you. Is that okay? So if you want to hear God, first of all, I believe you all hear God already, but if you want to hear him more, I think he's constantly speaking Just like I don't know the radio stations. Well, I know KYW because I listen to the news. But there's a couple of them that are in the room right now, but you don't hear them, do you? But they're there all the time. But if you tune into them, you can hear them. And so it's the same way with God. If you give him your attention, you can hear him because he's constantly speaking and he's constantly up there saying, if you have ears, hear what the Spirit is saying, right? Let's just, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this church and this group I can, I, I can feel the love that they have for you. I can feel their, their interest in following you. It's, it's commendable. I pray that you would open their ears even more to hear you and uh, remind them to, give them to give you their attention. But just like Jesus said to those that could not hear, be opened. I speak to spiritual ears in the room here, and I just say, be opened. And I, I pray for an activation of the prophetic, not to govern other people or to control people, but to encourage them. And I pray that you'd activate the prophetic gift in in each of them. Give them dreams, give them visions, give them words and impressions, give them words of knowledge, give them pictures. Uh, However you wanna speak to them, I just pray that you give them your words and then that you put your words in their mouth, right in their mouths, where they hear you and repeat. I just pray that you'd grace them to do that. And then I believe, and I ask you to give them divine appointments with people that really need to hear something from you about who they are, what's going on in their life. And I pray that you give them inspired speech that would draw the lost closer to you, God, and encourage them. And I pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.